0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee In terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The Talk Sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the
1: crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident.
2: A Wrexham AFC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news, and interviews from around the racecourse. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that, let's get on with the show.
0: Kroysor, hello, welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. Brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Naif, where do we start this week? Um, Putting the boot into Halifax Town or do we go with a board draw at Boreham Wood? It's been a busy old week following Wrexham and... There's been some football played as well along the way. Wrexham, of course, Drew Bournemouth at the weekend and defeated Halifax Town on Tuesday night. We'll be talking about both those games on today's podcast and looking ahead to another double header against Ultrigan and Maidenhead. Naif, what do your shoes say today? Um... I, I I don't want to I don't want have to be putting
2: out a statement on the Triple R account mate on Rob Ryan Red so I'm probably going to leave the uh the all this, I mean all my shoes you know as you know all the all my shoes have got swear words on them so it's best if I just keep that to myself. Uh I can't be, Rich I cannot believe how much Wrexham... I mean our phones were blowing up we were getting calls to, to you know anyone and anyone who knew about Wrexham was messaging us it was on the front page of the Guardian sport pullout oh oh, mate that story was absolutely bonkers but we'll get on to that but the football for 45 minutes I thought we were having a nightmare week Halifax lowest scorers in the league were doing a job on us in the end it turned around Jordan Davis uh making a big impact and and you were there to enjoy it I guess I mean you weren't enjoying it for 45 but I mean you weren't enjoying it after about 60 seconds to be totally honest
0: it was one of those games where I just had a bad feeling about it anyway it just felt a oddly, because Rob was there, of course, we had the the Ryan blimp ahead of kickoff. it felt a little bit flat for a Tuesday night. Our our highest attendance, home attendance of the season as well, which was odd because, to begin with, it took a little while to get going. Wrexham were struggling to break down a well-drilled and well-organised Halifax side. The penalties conceded, which, you know, you see them given. I don't have any complaints of the penalty, to be honest, and we, we didn't deserve to... To sort of be level anyway, we were, we were woeful in the first 20 minutes and, and took a while to get going. And, you know, that was just the sort of mood early on. I was getting angry. The WhatsApp was exploding with players <laughs> I was calling out and, you know, being rash in the moment as, as football fans, you know, as we are. But there was an improvement. And again, for me, the takeaway was Parky's subs changed the game. Dolby and Davis were excellent. I thought Davis in particular, Elliot Lee, Drifts in midfield, he floats around, which means it's hard for opposition defenders to track him, but it's also hard for us to pick him out and to know he's a constant, reliable out ball. Jordan Davis lurks on the edge of the box, he gobbles up those these balls. The goal comes from the space that's created from Palmer. Davis runs into a, a brilliant finish. They're two very different players, I'm starting to see now. I used to think it was Davis or Lee, but they do offer two very different skill sets. I think we saw the best of, of Jordan on, on Tuesday night because he's got such an eye for goal now. He's so hungry and gluttonous to be on that score sheet, which is a fantastic thing. The first goal from Ben Tozer, I think there's a slight deflection. But when it went in, I was like, oh my, that was, that was unreal. It was unreal. What a, fin- what a finish. The way I he's think- like got his hand up, as if he's immediately calling for the corner.
2: Yeah, I think linked? kids call it... it a,
0: a Travella. It's like a charisma. Cre- Remember the Portuguese player? Outside of the boot. Charisma, yeah. It takes a very big deflection, but it goes in.
2: Um, what, are in goal. what are we feeding our centre-backs, though, mate? That's the question. I don't know what they're eating, but whatever it is, is, is leading to a ton of goals. I mean, Aaron Hayden, who also scored,
0: that's 10 between them now. And, you know, I mean, bonkers. And, yeah, and that was it's going to sound stupid now because not scored six goals on Tuesday night, but there's been a lot made about Langstaff and we saw last season with Chesterfield, they tailed off when Shimanga was injured and I'm delighted that, you know, we've got two fantastic strikers and Mullin and Palmer who were seemingly always scoring, but we scored three goals on Tuesday night and they didn't get, they didn't get them and at the weekend mm-hmm. it was Hayden who scored. We're not over-reliant on our strikers, which is, for me, a really healthy situation and bodes well going forward because, you know, if Mullen's having an off day, which I think he slightly did have on Tuesday night, or Palmer was excellent, but, you know, he's frustrated for front the goal. There was fret from everywhere else on the pitch. And Aaron Hayden was a man on a mission. He was getting pulled down from every set piece, every corner. He was really hard done by. I think we definitely should have had at least one penalty. Him just being, you know, shirt pulled and, and being brought down in the box. But for the goal he got, he was like a steam train, wasn't he? He just absolutely... Drove through, emphatic header, brilliant, and a almost sigh of relief. It was euphoria. We we knew we were the far better team on the night. You know, Halifax offered so little, a few counter-attacks and obviously the penalty, but we were so much more dominant. And what was so pleasing for me was that we did play bad for a, a large portion of the game. I'd say for at least the first half hour, we looked lost of ideas. But even on our off nights and when some of our key players aren't performing well, we are still grinding out these results, which is which is That's so huge. good. My next point I was going to make, though, is this, the subs changed the game. It was Brave from Parkey. He brought Tunnicliffe off, who had a difficult game because obviously it wasn't a game where your defenders are going to stand out for defending too much. Saying that, though, McFadzian made some, some big blocks in the second half. I think he deserves credit for that. You know, he's obviously not as good going forward as Mendy, but I thought defensively he, he was he's a solid. Good defender. And he was he's good he's at a good defender. Woods, by all accounts yeah. as well.
2: He was. He, but, I mean, you know that. go, we'll get onto that game. That wasn't uh, too much fun. But, um, but on, I was I was, go on. I was, I was just going to quickly chuck in there though about Aaron Hayden and the defenders. You know, Parky said to me after woking that he genuinely thinks Aaron Hayden is unmarkable uh, and is the most dominant player in both boxes. And I think you saw on the doc as well where Aaron Hayden was saying he just doesn't believe that if he's on the pitch. We will concede a ton of headers, a ton of headed goals, and uh, look, you know—there will be instances where you know we look shaky defensively, and we we have done recently in recent weeks. But in attack, I mean, with Luke Young's delivery I th- as well. Before we get onto the subs and the change of shape, how good has Luke Young's delivery been this season? It feels like it's gone up a level, Rich. It feels like his corners taken by and large is just
0: bang on the money every time. Yeah, he's been brilliant. He has been brilliant, and. It's almost like our threat from throw ins has died off a bit, but the threat from yeah. corners has increased. Saying I that, Toza's throw ins on Tuesday night were good uh, against Halifax, and we should have scored from one of them. I think it was Palmer who met it and, and headed just over the bar. But, you know, we were getting better. in Tozer. he must have listened to the podcast because he responded in style to <laughs> maybe some, some recent poor performances, which I think he would admit that, you know, things haven't been going well, but he was excellent. But what I was going to say is, Parky made these subs. He changed the the setup. Why don't we do that from the start against teams like I'm gonna say like like Halifax, the smaller teams. Everyone knew what Halifax's game plan was: time waste when you can set up shop, be defensively well drilled, hit Wrexham on the counter attack and score from a set piece. They ticked all those boxes. We knew exactly what they were going to do. Ulvergunn will do it on Saturday. Maidenhead will do it a week on uh, next week. Sorry, on the Tuesday night. We know how these maybe lesser sides are going to set up against us to frustrate us and then pick us off when we're maybe vulnerable from set pieces. So why don't we set up with four at the back in a home game where we know the onus is going to be on us to go and break down a low block? I don't understand why we do always start with 3 a centre-halves. And I know Parkey again says that we worry too much about formations or we're over-analytical of it. But we've had so many games where we've had to change shape and go more attacking from the bench and it's worked. So why, why can't we do that from the start?
2: There was a story today, actually um, about how Premier League coverage might change for TV, you know, watching it on TV. And it got me thinking, just, you know, imagining the games on ESPN or streaming. And basically there's a new system where you will get live stats. You can see running stats and positional stats and, you know, speed of shots and like, speed of like players. Like playing I, manager basically. Yeah, but but like watching it on live coverage, and I was thinking, oh, Matt, could you imagine, you know, some of our fans? If you have got live live updates about a three-five-two, I I I still find it hard to believe that he will go, you know, away from what has served him well for so long in, in that three. More interesting to me is that okay, yeah, he changed the shape, but you know, does Jordan Tonicliffe have that left centre back shirt now? You know, is it Max's to win back? Is it Jordan's... To... I, I'm i fascinated by that now because, you know, I think in my strongest eleven Max would be in there. And that's not a knock on Jordan too much, but, you know, I really am very high on Max. Does that four mean you go a diamond and you can play one of Elliot? You know, maybe you play Jordan in the 10, you play Elliot alongside James Jones in a kind of floating role, I guess, and you play Luke Young at the pivot of that. It, it is a good option to have, and I think you you need to get the players more comfortable with that because we need to change and adapt on the fly when it's not working and maybe we don't need three centre-backs because really, you looked at Luke Summerfield last night, obviously formerly of Wrexham, and sounded like for the, for the large part, he was he was having a lot of influence on the game and when we switched, it was a, t- a total 180 and, and we were really running the show by then. It could have been a lot more than three in the end.
0: Yeah, we made Luke Summerfield look like Esteban Cambiasso if he didn't have his glasses <laughs> on. It was... It was it... Yeah, it was it was that sort of archetypal game of two halves. But we we like I said, the first half hour was bad. But we ended the first half well on top and should have gone in level. Well, McFadden hits the bar, doesn't he? McFadden hits the bar from. I mean, I could I've not watched the highlights back. I must say, but the header was from the edge of the box at least. It even seemed like it was outside oh, wow. the box. Ford to McFadden, which is encouraging because you know obviously we've all been saying how much we miss Mendy. But I thought McFadden did well, did better than I expected anyway. And again, it's good to see. How integral the wing backs are to this side but we were all over them we we should have scored five or six I, I did make a note here Johnson I mean on a night we were talking about PMs I mean fair play he wasn't incompetent in goal he was, he was brilliant for <laughs> Halifax he made a stunning save from Ollie Palmer in the second half and yeah that's even, outrageous three yards out save it, as well that. where he makes a save and then denies Hayden at the back post and Bonkers. He was brilliant. He was brilliant in goal, Johnson. And, you know, he had like... It was like when we went to Wealdstone last season. Do you remember? Their keeper had like the game of his life and we still won 2-1. And it's, it seems similar with Halifax. Like I want to give credit to them because they did their job well. You know, they did what they came to do. But on the end, our quality was just too much for them. We overawed them. The bon- bombardment of throw-ins and corners in front of the tech end as well. Just you know, sucking the ball towards us. It was yeah, it yeah. was brilliant. It was such a good atmosphere, such a good feeling. And of course, sat sat there in his box. Well, we say box his balcony. Rob McElhenney. His balcony's Royal we had visit. A chant now. of what? Uh, there's only one Rob Mc, one That's sorry. That's great. That was great. And then we just sung Declan Swans all night, as we do. And you know what I've enjoyed about this visit is, you know. It has been quite low key, and this is what yeah. Rob and Ryan wanted. They wanted to get to a, a position where you know they're mega stars, they're Hollywood A-listers, and the whole point is they are going to get asked for selfies, they're going to get people coming up to them, not necessarily asking, How are you doing, mate? just kind of have a picture, kind of autograph. Sure, there's always got to be an element of that, but it does feel a lot more normal in a way that you know Rob was there. And it's like, Oh, yeah, Rob's here tonight.
2: But, like, Rob Rob was there with his family, like a lot of families that go. You know, kind of, you'll go with your family, my parents will go, loads of people we know go with their kids and everything. It's just a bloke going to watch a team, you know. And I think as well, he just he gave the impression that he wants to come to Wales as much as he can, as much as it will allow him to do so. And he was probably wise to swerve Boreham Wood in the end. I mean, there was some confusion, definitely, at least from our side. We weren't in the know of what was going on up at the turf and the blimp filming and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, he didn't miss uh he didn't miss a great deal, but it was some, just some really good stories. And again, I think what they don't realize is they might have a very short interaction with somebody and it is all that person is talking about for the next six months. You know, I had uh, this chat with Rob McElhenney and it's amazing. It is just phenomenal. And I had a brief chat with Humphrey um, mainly because they predicted the score correctly to him. They said it would be 3 1 against Halifax. So I was gloating about that. But I just said to him, you know, how did, how did they find the trip? And he just said, they, you know, they've absolutely loved it. And what a way to finish it. I think they got the proper National League experience there. 45 minutes where you're down, park your hair dryer. And uh, you come out second half and you see some really, really lovely goals. That second goal by Jordan's a touch of class from Oli Palmer and from Jordan. Brilliant that. And then the Ben Terza goal is, well, I mean, that'll be up there for goal of the season, I'm sure
0: yeah they would have, I would have liked to seen Parky's enthusiasm meter at half time of that one to be honest, and I'm sure that we probably will see it when the when the documentary is released and I suppose, like you said there Boreham Woods, you have to look at the two results almost as a couple because the feeling at the end of Boreham wood Nath, from my point of view anyway was you know I probably would have taken a point beforehand, certainly would have considering the way the game sort of transpired yeah but the, the I said always. The proviso is, we'll take a point as long as we beat Halifax, and as yeah. long as we make the most of these home games coming up. So, as a couple, four points from those two, it's fine, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, you, we we
2: said, I mean, I am not trying to gloat here. I am actually trying to gloat, but I said one one and three one. So I guess the lottery numbers are next, and then we take Rob Ryan Red Global. Uh, and if you want to help us do that. Rob at gmail.com is our email. You can email us. We've had some really cool emails recently. And we need to we need to do like a mailbag episode, Rich, where we just kind of go through the
0: emails. Maybe one uh, week Ro- when we can be bothered and there's not a midweek game. We could always like, <laughs> we could almost like do like two and like maybe not even have to fully release one of the podcasts. We could just put it on a our special website. Special like mailbag episode, isn't it? Yeah. Little clip you can listen to if you Or, want or, it, to. or any of our socials. Twitter
2: at Rob Ryan Redd, that's doing amazing. And Instagram, Rob Ryan TikTok, we're on there. We're on all the all the places. Facebook, wherever you want to find us. EBay, so go probably. and follow us. E, uh, well, no, we haven't kind of got the the money to be competing with these eBay sellers. How much do you reckon Dan Jarvis's uh, suitcase is going for now? Yeah, I, I mean, is it just me or is that luggage not worth seven hundred pounds?
0: No luggage is worth seven hundred pounds. I am not one of the Kardashians. A, but, lu- like, it's but luggage sort
2: of... is expensive now. You know,
0: I, I, yeah, a, it is a guy I wo- a guy but... I
2: work with couldn't get over it. He said he said he went luggage shopping and he looked white and he looked white in the face. He looked which he looked is scared, why but... if
0: you ever go on Richard Osman's House of Games, you should always try win the wheel wheelie luggage because just monetary value as well is a great prize to have. And yeah, luggage yeah, is, really is expensive, but Rex and branded but... luggage. The other thing though is it's in it's most likely gonna be in sort of the hot. You know, tucked away when you're on a flight anyway. So, this is true. £700. Could you not? I also don't. But if you're Kwame luggage, Thomas, if,
2: if you're Kwame Thomas and you've also, which he did also put his luggage up, how annoyed would you be if you didn't get anywhere near the amount Dan Jarvis was getting?
0: Well, Dan... I, what I'd like to see is maybe, you know, th- those two pieces of luggage sell and then Rexum say, oh, by the way, we actually own them. Can we? Can we have the
2: money? Well, well, I mean, look, Dan Javis is giving some of his to charity. I think 10% of anything he makes is going to charity um, for, I think it's the Motor Neuron Disease Association. So that is good. and obviously encourage that. But I, the figure it was getting to, was just, but eBay in general, I saw it, there was a scarf going for 90 quid, mate.
0: It's ridiculous. A that, I mean, scarf. I've literally just opened up eBay now, just searched for Rexham football shirts. We've got, a, again, as we always say, last season's away shirt. At the moment, Eleven minutes left. A bid of 128 pound on it.
2: It is. And please step away from the bidder. We don't want you. We don't want you bidding 128.50.
0: It is ridiculous, you know. And there's another one here, 85 pound. This season's shirt going for 89 pound. I bet Rob and Ryan are thinking, you know, we need to make like a rectum store in America where they can get their own thing. Sort is of...
2: on this. The thing is, if if you. I'm thinking bigger picture here, past Macron, you know, and and I know that deal is. I'm pretty sure that deal is end up the end season. of the season. Yeah. So whether they renew that, we don't know yet. I'm not in the know and stuff like that. But no, say I they go know. for Nike. I've heard
0: whispers that maybe they will look to get someone who can.
2: Yeah. Give well, them a little, well more just, just, demand, just, but... just, just say, just say they were to go with Nike, just for example, as a, as an example. Nike's base, I think, is Portland. So you think. That you, There must be, if you had Nike or Adidas, you could have a US distribution site, surely. Exactly, I mean, it, yeah. it seems like a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Macron have been brilliant. I mean, again, this is a little bit of information. The reason I think Wrexham moved to Macron in the first place is because our last season with... It was, was it, it would have been night. I think it, it was night. Adidas. Uh, was it Nike? All right. Oh, no, it went, went to Adidas again, didn't it? Went to but Adidas. Yeah, went to Adidas. Yeah, yeah went to Adidas. Um, Was just, supply issues were so bad that season. And it, it, was a, it was really hectic for the club to get the stock in on time and to get the quantities they wanted. So that's why they went to Macron. And Macron, from the club's point of view, have been a brilliant sort of partner to work alongside. And, you know, they've been able to create bespoke kits. We had that pink kit. We had the white shirt for was it Remembrance Day in 2016, 2015, 2016?
2: Rich, I don't want to cut you off here, but this is this this could be fascinating for people. I've just done the I've just filtered eBay via the newest stuff. And you know that you know in the documentary you see Rob pick out the Wrexham shirt and it's not what the Awake is? Yes. Well, three items of that shirt have appeared. Rare Away. 2022 20, 23 for 235 pounds 58 there's 28 bids on it mate with the, the tag
0: for the mock up kit the the provision I mean I want.
2: think so. I think so I can't tell whether it's just a rubbish image or I mean I rare mean, this away this is the
0: most invig- it's not probably not not giving the listeners much this is it you and me scrolling through eBay and yeah, what i am what I
2: but if if you see if you see it if you see the Documentary. It it's more of a two tone that you know what I mean. It's like a it's like it's a lighter gradient. blue at the top. It's got a gradient. Funny kind of.
0: Uh, I love yeah. football kits. I, love, I, I do. Are you a football connoisseur?
2: I, I'm not. A, I'm not a football kit connoisseur. I always I'll, have I'll be honest. been
0: because when I used to play Pro Evo in the good old days, I used to make my own right. kits on there. And the other. Just a pressing fact is, working for the MEN, I've had to write so many Man United kit leak stories over the years. Really? I there know all go. about the terminal, term, terminology and having a two-toned embossed crest and all that wow. but
2: Well, what I'm going to say, to get us back on the straight and now, Rich Borenwood, I was there. Very much enjoyed myself. I, I'm kind of sick of going there, but I did enjoy myself. Lo- saw lots of people um, that I love going on the away days with. Had a lovely curry after the match um but the actual match itself again just kind of not able to get going and too many players who just spend such a long period out of the game and I, I just felt like i mean palmer said it on on twitter on instagram even you know what is this the nfl i mean he was being wrestled left left and right um we were not really trusting the midfield Elliot picked up a hand injury I don't know if you saw that he kind of had his fingers strapped at the end of the game for a fall in the first half again I I just thought away from home our wing backs offered next to nothing and again you know Mendy you can't come back soon enough I mean the, their, their goal at Boreham Wood is we've we've shirked a 50-50 which sounds a little bit harsh but it was true and they've done us basically on a cutback and, and deserved it in the end of point you know we, we had to not lose that game and as you say, if we go on and win the next two home games, that's, what is that, 11 out of, no, I've got my maths wrong, 10 out of 12 points? You know, you'd, you'd take that all day, surely.
0: Exactly. You, you've got to look at the wider picture, haven't you? And particularly when we have these sort of games, you can get so rash and disappointed and, and start tweeting Parky out because things haven't gone well <laughs> in one sort of game. Obviously, Never. our away form is, is, is concerning in the wider picture, particularly against teams around us, but at least we didn't lose this one. We showed the character to come back and you know we could have won it late on as well. So there's so, lot, there's so far to go in this season that it still seems ridiculous to, to be getting too carried away. And I saw a tweet today. We're recording this on the Wednesday, the day after the Halifax game. I saw a tweet from a Stockport fan. It was a year ago today that they got rid of Rusk after they lost at Barnet. Right. And Stockport were 11th in the table and Wrexham were 12th. We go on to finish first and second. So there is so, so much football still to be played that just look at the wider picture. This time last year, it looked like, I know they did go up, but it looked like Grimsby would win the league and Chesterfield would boss the playoffs. There is just so much mitigation, so much left to play for that. Just keep the faith, you know, back the boys, make some noise. We've had a lot of success already this season compared to this stage of last campaign as well. So you know there's there's room for improvement but on the whole i'm still very happy with the the way things are going
2: Rich, I guess, one of the things, you can, what you can do, and we say this all the time, and I get a little bit memed for it when people meet me, but I'm more than happy to do it. You can leave us a review if you want on Apple, Spotify, whatever you want to do. And we got one this week from username. I've no idea who it is, so if it is you, thank you very much. Malicious Penguin, um, which sounds very daunting. And when I saw that we'd had a review from a malicious penguin, I was slightly terrified on the, probably on the terrified scale, I was a, I was a strong 7 but it was actually really nice, and Malicious Penguin wrote in, The kings of easy listening. Great sound, great direction, couple of tangents that don't go on forever, and just what it's meant to do. Cover Wrexham news over the past week. If you're interested in Wrexham, listen to this. It's that simple. Rich, you can't buy that level of good advertising.
0: That's absolutely no, super. We've tried, but yeah, I mean... We've tried. But yeah, I mean, talk about tangents. Uh, what, what was the name? So What Penguin malicious penguin which yeah, sounds the penguin. worst kind
2: of penguin to be honest but, i mean but then
0: they didn't sound malicious either so no thank you very much yeah like Nick said if you do listen to the podcast and you know you're thinking well i can't you know money's tight at the moment we know that we're not asking you to donate if you can't or anything the best way regardless to give back word of mouth tell someone about the podcast share it with someone new and leave a review you know that is free and that really does does help us to grow and, and to, to reach a wider audience as well
2: also rich i feel like i've got to touch on it this week i know it's really affected a lot of people and been two really really um sad passings this week um two two well-known fans sean who sits in the mold road and there was a, an applause for him so anyone who was at the game and maybe was unsure about the applause in the 15th minute that was for sean you know a well-known fan very popular and you know tommy cows and others who, who we've had on the podcast before um were very keen to spread the message about sean and also um on the day that we're recording this nigel williams who sits in the tech end or he also stands in the tech ends more appropriate lots of pictures of him with his shirt off celebrating goals a very you know very popular character in the tech end he's also sadly passed so i just wanted to offer on behalf of myself and rich condolences to family friends and you know anyone who's come across them i know that Wrexham, it's a cliche at every club, but it is one big family. And especially if you sit around people, you get to know them, their lives, the, the ins and outs of everything that they represent. And, and you know, somebody who might just sit near you suddenly becomes a friend and, and then it suddenly becomes a best friend. So, yeah, really, really sad news. And I'm sure next time, you know, we're back on Saturday, there'll be a, a glorious tribute, I'm sure, for Nigel. So, yeah, go easy, boys. And uh, Wrexham will be doing all they can to... To make this a memorable season um for you both. Rich, I guess then we've booted it into touch. We've filled our boots. We've done all, I, I haven't got any more boot puns. To be boots, honest. the opticians,
0: uh, you... I mean the meal deals. Boots,
2: <laughs> boots. Yeah. I had a boots meal deal earlier, actually, but four pound ninety-nine. I don't know whether I messed the meal deal up, but something well, had gone right
0: Britain. I mean, Tesco that, this that, week that... announced that their meal deal had gone up to three pound forty. As a stat with club card, and it was like three pound 4 four pound, yeah, and that's for like that's your Evian, your ready sorted crisps and a ham. That, no, what a no nightmare sandwich, which is just well the anyway worst meal deal.
2: But boots, that's the aim of the game this week. It's been all anyone's talked about. I think if my if my tech is right, I think the statement about Paul Mullins boots. That's obviously what we're talking about. I think that is Wrexham's second most popular tweet that they've ever posted behind. Rob and Ryan maybe trying to sell everyone. Popular. Evo Williams, maybe not okay. popular in uh, terms po- po- of gone down no. well, but no. But you you get what I mean in terms of the the amount of interaction it got. It's the second most interacted tweet then, um, and the first
0: being the takeover announcement from Rob. And
2: yes, Greg. and that was very popular, um, and that was popular for the right reasons. This, Rich, where do we start with this? It's been a it's
0: been a hell of a week. Yeah, I was on TalkSport this week to, to discuss Paul Mullen and uh, and a bit about Wrexham as well. So thank you, anyone who did tune into that. But it's it's one well that divides the fan base. You know, I, I think it is fair to say that we are a left-wing totally. and the audience at the moment, and particularly... I think even more so given just how much of a mess the country's in and the circumstances around it. Paul Mullen has always been politically engaged. I like that from a footballer. We always complain that footballers are robots out of touch and and don't understand or care about fans particularly. Paul Mullen gets it for, for a variety of reasons. You know, obviously being a proud scouser as well. He is so passionate about the way he feels. I I haven't got a problem with him voicing that on his own platforms, etc. And the club, I understand they have to distance themselves. There is an element of, and I know this is awful and it shouldn't be this way, but the coppery development, you've got to almost play the game. You have to keep the local borough council on side, which is yeah. under Tory rule. You know, the club have to be seen to condemn what he's done because he's publicly criticised you know, the people that are having to work alongside the club. You know, it's not necessarily doing the club too many favours. Again, I think anyone who looks at it knows that is Paul Mullen's views, not the views of Wrexham Football Club. That is, that's plain to see. The issue is that the initial picture taken had the Mould Road stand in the background and almost by connotation and these links, it, it suggested that maybe it was the, the view of Wrexham and endorsed by them as a club, which of course, Anyone who actually looks at that knows that's not true, but it can be argued that way. So I, I totally understand why Wrexham had to distance themselves to, to a degree. I think the right. tone of the the statement was horrible and worded poorly. It, it yep. highlighted why the club need a proper communications department. And I think just in terms of lots of key staff, it's, it's, there's a lot of change happening at the club at the moment. And that obviously has come at a bad time in regards to they've maybe not got the personnel in place to, to deal with it. Properly and and like I said, read for it a few times. Get the wording spot on. It only needed a sentence saying Paul has been spoken to. We don't approve of this. And you know, hit it, just just kill it as as quickly as you can. Obviously, the, the badly worded statement has amplified it even more. The initial pictures, because a lot of people do agree with Paul Mullen, we must say, have gone viral. You get your Twitter. Aggregators, people like Sport Bible, who don't credit properly anyway, who will put who put the original picture up and, and not worry about the consequences. Yeah, and, I saw that. I saw that. And it goes out of hand and quickly snowballs beyond belief, and it's just been a really badly handled situation. That was my
2: point, Rich. Though it again, you know, we work in the media, and naturally, you you have to go for you know rights of replies and X Y Z and all these things to cover yourself legally, and uh, you know, there's a lot to it, but. I, you know, there's a lot of talk this week about the Streisand effect. You know what I mean? In terms of did that statement, if if they'd have responded, say to to me or to you or to whoever was writing a story about it, um, and I don't know. Neither of us did, but you know, had we and we'd called them up and said, "Could we have a statement about this?" If they'd have replied to us, that would have been something. But do you think just putting out a statement to 240,000 people on Twitter, that that then led to a, an avalanche of coverage? that I don't know whether it, would, whether it would have come as a result, I can't all. decide. Yeah, not
0: at all, it, it wouldn't have and if you deal with it internally, discipline Paul, you know, that's the way to do it and again, there's, there's an odd, wee, odd tiny little tangent here, which, you know, if Paul Mullen wears those boots and then people find out and it goes big, he might get a ban because it's against FA rules for a political yeah. statement. But He so never it, it, would have worn the boots, surely. Like he never w- would he have worn the yeah, boots. I, I don't know. He might have done. He very well he, might have done because he they are his—they're but... his Nikes, you know, blackout Nikes that he loves and that he's worn since he since he joined the club. But like you said, they amplified it and snowballed it beyond belief, and it got so much traction. Of course, there's that. It's like it is that balance because you've got to. You, you can't. You know. Some news stories like that maybe are best not being addressed publicly because if you condemn it, like you said, it, it goes to a bigger audience. And particularly now, because we are Wrexham, we're the Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney team. Everyone thinks that statements come from them, which it hasn't. Yeah. And then you also get people tweeting Rob and Ryan saying, "What do you make of this? This is disgusting." And then I, mean, I saw Ryan some liked the say, post. Ryan liked Paul's post about it about the boots. Exactly, Instagram. and just like Mullen's post wasn't representative of everyone at the club that statement probably wasn't representative of everyone at the club either so mm. it's a really dangerous and toxic sort of situation that gets amplified there was a very uh, inevit- inevitable chant at the game on tuesday night against halifax town where we we sung about paul mullen's boots let's put it that way and <laughs> yeah it's just been a tricky situation handled poorly really poorly by the club i thought but I do understand being in the media why they felt the need to have to say something and distance them because of course we every, have got... every
2: every club in the con- every club in 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 the country would have would have put a statement out. Not I'm not saying to, to the exact wor- similar wording. And I think if they had the chance to do it again, would they have written that exact same statement? I don't believe they would have done. Um, it, it it was so there was so much traction. It was impossible. It's impossible to, for the club to have not reflected on it properly and, and 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 seeing how it's gone
0: down because and again yeah, i learn from this yeah. and in the future learn get it. maybe even get some sort of vague skeletons of statements of how they should be written i mean all you had to put out was a sentence saying you know paul mullen has been reminded of his responsibilities as a Wrexham player and will not be wearing the boots i mean
2: look you know, you know, you know from our side it, on twitter it only has
0: to be a sentence you don't have to sometimes yeah. and it happens to me a lot as i'm probably doing now you could overtalk and put too many words, yeah, and then you sure. lose your point, and you and you go off on tangents as we do. I did quite that often, a, I according did that to the a, penguins. Yeah, but... the
2: malicious penguin. I did that on a daily basis, actually. Uh, overtalk, but what I would say is, I put the image out. Oh, it wasn't the first one, obviously, but I put that image out. I was told by somebody to delete that image, which I did. And you know that story felt like it would have died out because if he wouldn't have warned them for the game, I mean. Look, if he'd have won them for the game, that would have been a big story. If he hadn't won them for the game and we won the game, which we did, surely it would have just died out. I, I think it's a, if nothing else, it's a learning curve on on uh, comms. If nothing else, on crisis comms, they call it. And I think... Uh, crisis management,
0: yeah. which it Crisis isn't. management. I know a lot of fans have rightfully sort of pointed out that you can't say you're apolitical as a club and then we obviously hosted... Tory councillors earlier in the year, but they were yeah. invited by Wrexham Borough Council and the club that was, was encouraged to host them. You know, Wrexham didn't go out of their way and invite Tories to the to the ground to say, come on, come see what we're doing here. It was the Borough Council who invited them up and the club were encouraged to, to do it. And, you know, like we said, the plan for the cops has been going through, we've had the new floodlights, we're trying to get the new stand. There is an element... Which is horrible and like I say, it shouldn't be this way, but you almost have to play the game and obviously you'll be saying, but what about the morals about core principles? Football clubs and politics? It always brings up that tedious debate of they're not interlinked. they should be they should stay apart. Football and politics are interlinked and intertwined. they Massively. go back to the very fabric Massively. of the sport. and you know it is horrible when you see people ca- cashing in on Wrexham athletic as as they do, but, it's it's just it's a difficult one because I do understand to a slight degree why why that happened but you know yeah I I, I I'm that's I, all I that's hope, all we can say, say it what more, more can we say in it. it I just hope we can move, move on from we have we, said we'll our piece
2: we've said our piece we won on Wednesday uh, on Tuesday even and two massive games to come. Rich, then this weekend, Old and Maidenhead. It, the games are coming thick and fast at the minute, home games, and then we've got Oldham in the. It's non-stop. You must be knackered all the driving.
0: It oh, Don't get me started on the driving. <laughs> so the last night, my mum is off to Japan this week to go see my brother and my nephew and to you know have a lovely trip. And I, I agreed. I said, I'll, I'll drive you back after the game on Tuesday night. So I, I drove from Manchester to North Wales in rush hour, had our tea, went to the match, all All fine. Then I had to drive my mum back from Wrexham to, to where we live in North Wales, about a 20-minute, half-an-hour drive. And then I had to drive back from North Wales to, to North Manchester. And they'd close the M56 because, of course, you do that on a Tuesday night when I'm trying to get home. And I'm sure the Halifax fans were affected by this as well. I had to drive through Runcorn, go over the Widnes Bridge. I paid for that today. And I got oh. back home at midnight and I was up again in six hours' time or whatever for work. So... It was hell, but my work, my god, it was all worth it. The home games are coming thick and fast, and even though this is a big one, this is a big for one, a while, one for you.
2: This is a big one. This is the, this is the game, the household game for you, Chloe. Yes, it is. As you know, you know, this is big old, big old strong fan. I mean, how, how is it this week? Are you, are you on the sofa? What's been going on?
0: Yeah, so my partner Chloe <laughs> and her dad are both gonna be in the away end on Saturday, and myself wow. and my dad will be in the home end, flicking the V's, singing "We've Got in. <laughs> It's, it's going to be good. I mean, I say to get bragging rights, but do I even jinx it and say I, I don't need to worry about that? I mean, in <laughs> fantastic form, actually, going into this game. And they are, you know, obviously we're at home and we're, we're expected to win these games. And that is the bottom line. If you ask me, you know, with a gun to my head, whatever, who should win this game, it, it should be Wrexham. But you look in that form table and Ulti are looking good at the moment. They are one of the, one of the better sides and in the division that... They had a bad start. They're, they're looking much improved in the last few games. They beat Oldham on Tuesday night. They drew 4 all with Torquay of course, at the weekend. Uh, they were knocked out of the FA Cup by Gateshead in, in a replay. But before that, they'd beaten Dorking. They'd beaten Gateshead away in the league. They'd beaten Aldershot. Their only league defeat in the last five was away at Notts County. And I mean, six
2: it, last six games in the form table, Wrexham a third, on a fourth. So that shows you... Where they're, where they're coming in at. I mean, last four games, only Notts County have come away with more points over the last four four games than Ultraman. So, you know, yes, they've had a poor start. They're, they're climbing, the, but they're climbing the table all the time. They're climbing the table all the time. And I thought, what better way to get the background on Ultraman than speaking to uh, captain and defender Toby Mullerkey. Am I saying that right? Do you reckon Mullerkey? Mullerkey, yeah. Mullerkey. Well, I thought I would get pick his brain on Ultraman, what it's like to work under Phil Parkinson. Not that one, the other one. And, you know, how are their seasoners going and whether they can spring a bit of an upset this weekend. So here is my chat with Toby Malarkey. Toby, then... uh... Out injured yourself at the minute, but Oldrichingham flying basically. Uh, you know, looking at the form table, last four games only Notts County got more, and we're seeing them score six against Wheelston. What I mean, what's behind this turnaround? It seemed like it was a slow start from the outside. Is it just really all come together all of a sudden?
1: Yeah, it, it seems that way. Um, obviously, with us doing the transition period to full time, I think everyone was expecting us to hit the ground running. Uh, we had a few sort of sticky results early on and then now I think you're seeing the fruits of it all come, come to fruition really. Um, all the training sessions that we're able to get, the fitness of the lads is obviously improving. So now to to get that run of results, like I said, I think it's three three wins, one draw in the last four. Um, so yeah, it's good to see that the form's coming now and we're, we're getting the results that we deserve.
2: Are you getting stick for not being in the team now that the, that as well, the results I'm sure, are
1: going? As, as I've said that, I'm starting to think, well, it's maybe because I'm out of <laughs> the team. <laughs> um... but no, hopefully it shouldn't be out too long.
2: Yeah, you know, so Phil Park—I mean, the Phil Parkinson Derby this weekend. There's people obviously joking on social. I mean, what's what's he like to work under?
1: <laughs> he's been brilliant, to be fair. Ever, ever since I came in, I think this is my fourth, fourth or fifth season now here at Altrincham, And I said that straight from the off, he was a manager that I wanted to work for. Both him and, and Neil Sorville, who work really well together, um, and he's great with his sort of his man management skills and how he gets the team going. Like I said, it, it speaks for itself really in terms of the last four results that we've had. Um, but he's a great gaffer. And like I said, they work really well together, both him and, and Neil, so it's great to be able to play for him every week.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, speaking to other players, they they sort of say, like, you know, how much of a factor he was in terms of going there and stuff. It, what is it about him? Is he just a, a really good motivator? He just kind of finds something in you? I mean, what in particular about his management styles really struck you? Because you've obviously been in the game long enough to have worked with other coaches.
1: Yeah, I think personally his management skills is what stands out for me. He knows how each individual player's tick, uh, and he knows how to get the best out of them. Obviously, different players require sort of different treatment. And you see that with his with his coaching styles and the way he speaks to people around the building, at training, during games. He has to say different things to different people. But I think that's one thing that he's he's always bang on with. Um, like me, myself, he knows I'm one of those that when I'm confident, I'm playing the best football. So he's always trying to get him here about being confident, really, and doing things to boost me up. But then different players require different things. I think that's the the thing that he's he's best at, or what
2: I've noticed that he's always really good at is his is definitely his man management skills, both on and off the pitch. So if, if we're looking at your results, you know, heading into the game at the weekend, you played, you feels like you played Gateshead about a million times, which probably sick of the sight of them. You beat him in the league three one away from home, really good result that. You back that up by beating Dorking four one, so you're not shy in scoring goals. You then got the double header draw at home two two with Gateshead. You then lose the away game, and then you've got that bonkers game four all against Torquay. i mean what's going on Also, going be scoring goals for you're, you might be scoring more goals than rexham
1: yeah it's, uh, it's gonna be an interesting game on saturday i think two uh two teams that score a lot of goals so it'll be i would have thought it'll come down to more who can keep the ball out of the net and um, we always say in this league if you get a clean sheet you give your chance to, uh, give yourself a chance of winning any game Um i think obviously the the frustrating one for us on saturday with the telly game was that it was obviously from the outside point of view it was a great game to watch i'm sure for people that were tuning in but for us to obviously have the lead twice and then throw it away, obviously three points away from home, you're, you're absolutely delighted with. Um, so it was a shame that we couldn't hang on. I think that was the frustrating thing. But then to, to go and back that up on Tuesday night yesterday against Oldham with three points was, was great to see.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that is, uh, I think it's kind of dawned on Oldham now kind of what life in the National League is like. You're a National League defender. I mean, you must. how many how many cuts and bruises have you got over the years? Plenty, I would imagine. It's, uh, yeah, it's not yeah. a fair few. I mean, you know, in terms of the teams you've come up against, where do you think Old are kind of falling? Because it seems like you're improving all the time. You know, look at someone like a Chris Conn-Clark. I mean, you know, for anyone who's not familiar with him, he, he's, he's finding his feet. He's finding that little purple patch.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's still young. I think I was speaking to him last night at the game. He's only 21, um, obviously on loan from from Fleetwood. Um, and when he sort of initially came, I think it took him a few weeks to get going. And now that he's adjusted to the sort of physicality of the league, I think he's really... Sort of finding his feet now, and he's developing into that player that we all knew he could be. And um, I know that the gaffer was keen to get him in as soon as he saw him playing. And like I said, now the form that he's hitting for us, he's getting goals, creating assists, and he's just been a a real nuisance on the pitch really, which is exactly what you want in that position. So it's great to see. Do
2: you, do you find that though, in terms of like the position you're in? You know, we've seen so many national league teams. Play, you know, you know, visiting teams and all that sort of stuff. That the physicality is is, is what makes or breaks some of these young players because there's so many yeah. young players come through the system internationally they just don't cut it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's the big the big thing. I know people mature at sort of different different ages. Um, so I know for me, my first sort of couple of seasons in even in the National League North, I found it a little bit hard adjusting going from. So where I was that with crew, where it's it's more about how you play with the ball at your feet, to then being chucked in the deep end at the National League and the National League north, north. sorry, should I say, where it's all very physical. It does take a little bit of time to adjust, um, and then obviously those ones that adjust quicker are just quicker, the ones that then go on to improve. Um, but it's it's a really physical league, and we we always say that it's it's getting tougher and tougher each year, especially now. I think there's there's only one or two part-time teams in the league, so I think you'll get to a point where every team in that division is probably full-time, and um, so you could essentially call it League Three or Whatever you want to call it, it's a uh, it's a tough league, but it's a great
2: league to be a part of. You know, Wrexham well known about everything that's going on and, and the kind of the firepower they've got. You obviously as a defender yourself, you know, I'm sure you'd you'd relish the battles if you weren't all banged up and, and and all that sort of stuff. You came up against Macaulay Langstaff earlier in the season away at Knots. I mean, the strikers at this level. Are there, in your opinion, this is the opinion of a lot of fans and journalists, are there strikers at this level that should be playing a good few levels higher?
1: I think I think there are for a lot of the players, not just strikers yeah. in general. There's a lot of players that, that potentially go under the radar. Um I don't quite know why that is, but there's definitely strikers, midfielders, defenders, goalkeepers even. There's a lot of players that could cut it at a higher level. Um obviously the likes of Wrexham and Notts County, they are big spenders, so whether the the financial aspect of it sort of plays a part as to whether they don't want to make that transition up to, say, League 2 or League 1 would obviously sway some people's heads. Um, but, I mean, you look at the standard of the players that you've got in, like Rexham themselves, like you just said before, with Paul Mullen coming down from the leagues to, to play for Rexham, it just shows what the standard is, is like these days and, and you're always up against it every weekend and every Tuesday
2: i was trying to think if uh, if they did a documentary about Altrincham, what you lot would be like. I mean, have you caught any of the Wrexham doc or are you giving that one a miss?
1: You know what? I'm not, I'm not There's a lot of people that keep mentioning it. Um, so I do need to give it a watch. But hopefully, if we get three points on Saturday, then I might watch it. I'm not going to watch it before it. There you uh, go. Uh, yeah, you don't want to watch it, want it before. Kind of yeah, exactly.
2: But is it, then it's kind of a final one. What's what's the kind of mood in the building about where Altringham can go this season? Because, you know, like you say, it's it's been a no start. You know what it's like in the building. Can you make that push? I mean, the way it's going right now, for fans in particular, they're, they're starting to dare to dream, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's one thing that we all want to do. Um, you know, we've got to manage the expectations of it. This is our first year, sort of making that transition to full-time. So Essentially, it was a whole new group. I think there was about five or six players of the core from last season that stayed, whereas everyone else is new players that have come in. Um, I mean, we're always going to have huge ambitions and there's no reason why we can't push on. That's what everyone wants to do. But obviously, like I said, we've got to manage the expectations. And At the start of the season, we said as long as we're making improvements from where we finished last year, then that's that's progress. As long as we're making progress each year, that's the end, the, the sort of end goal or the main goal. For us to be able to push on would obviously be a dream. So if we can keep this form running, then we can sort of see where, where we are come, come Christmas and then take that into the back end of the season.
2: I mean, one of the things people said about Ultron last season, they went to the race course yeah, it was four nil. It was it was a brutal first half. Second half, obviously 0-0 But they actually you actually came to play football, um, and and a lot of teams haven't haven't gone and done that. What was that experience like? You know, kind of. I mean, it was it was thirty five minutes where Wrexham were four nil up, and the game was the game was iced. I mean, do you think you've you've? I know you've said about new players and different group, but you think you've learned from that yourself and and others that have maybe still still stuck around?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean. Obviously, those big teams have the massive followings. I think on average they get sort of like eight to nine thousand mm-hmm. each week. Definitely, so the crowd plays a massive factor in it. So obviously, for us, when we went there to their ground last year, I think we conceded within the first five to ten minutes. And then obviously, with eight thousand fans and a couple of people banging drums, it's only going to make the atmosphere worse. So as soon as they're sort of behind the team, it, it becomes sort of not an impossible task, but a much harder task. So I think the key for us is to obviously try and manage the crowd. Frustrate them and then let our play come through, like we did last season. Obviously, we were on the, the back end of a bad result, but you still saw what we wanted to do as a team and and the sort of patterns that we work and how we like to play.
2: And, and lastly, how how are you doing? What's your kind of uh, timeline looking like? Because I, I you know one of the other lads, I won't I won't uh, out in on ear but one of the other lads was saying you were getting basically a free a free a free kind of annual leave with it with the uh, <laughs> with your time off. Uh, and you, we know what footballers are like, and we giving each other stick. But are you on the mend? How's it looking for you? Yeah, I mean I'm hoping it should just be a case of another week
1: and then I'm back into it. Um, like I said, it's it's not anything major. It's just a case of waiting for the stitch to the stitches to heal and waiting for the wound to heal on my foot. Um, obviously I can't play until that's fully closed looks, I'm hoping, um, with me looking after myself giving giving the time off, then it should sort of heal within the next week or two and then and then straight back to it. So potentially just missing Two or three games, but the unfortunate thing for me is that I've missed of the big ones. Obviously, the Telly game, the Oldham, olden one at home, which was a massive atmosphere, and then obviously Wrexham away as well, which is another big one. But you got full, um,
2: you got full belief in the lads.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like I said, that anything can happen on any given day. We've just got to make sure that we, yeah. The big thing for us at Wrexham is managing the crowd, managing the expectations, and then, like I said, playing our style of football, and, and then the confidence comes from there, and hopefully, we can go and do something.
2: Is, is that we spoke to Dean Keats, who used to manage Wrexham recently. And he was saying that as, as he went as an away fan, the, basically the message was try and quiet in the crowd. Is that like one of the key key focuses for these away teams? I mean, it seems obvious to ask, but is that like, quite clearly on the mind? If you can just quiet these fans down, we get a massive foothold in the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, any, any away game in this league, yeah. I think you, you take a point and a point is as good as anything, but obviously three is the main aim, but... Like we we learnt that in our first year, we always wanted to go and get three points, and we did. Like sort of disappointed if we'd concede and, and end up coming away with nothing. So a point is is good really away from home in this league, especially against some of the big ones like Wrexham and Knox County. But yeah, I know their their ground in particular is is a brilliant atmosphere to be playing in, um, especially that that one behind the goal where the lads on the drum. Um, as much <laughs> as I hated that song, the Paul Mulliam it was a great great atmosphere. <laughs> so if we can
2: uh, restrict that that sort of threat and uh, and manage the expectations in the crowd then we give ourselves a really strong chance and then rich i guess you've got the other game that's coming up because we've completely forgot it last week with halifax um maidenhead and actually remember i spoke to peter griffin the maidenhead chairman before that game and that must have been the jinx because it ended up getting postponed um for the royal it was queen's the queen and queen's death was that why it was postponed
0: I think so yeah I think that was feel the like reason it was. wasn't it yeah, yeah I feel like definitely. it was
2: and uh you know they've been something of a, a bit of a bogey team for us and I know anyone who's listening who has seen the documentary saw that Robin Ryan's first experience watching live National League football was away at Maidenhead obviously we're at home this time but never an easy game is it Rich that one's there's some, something about Maidenhead I don't know it's always a sticky wicket for us
0: yeah I mean it's the Paul Mullen game isn't it we've is it two red cards? He had God, I forgot about away that. Away from home where we got, you know, post, after the game, you know, he got, got given the red card. It was Bryce Hazana who got sent off in the first place. And then we had the home game where Mullen got sent off early on. We went 1-0 up and they scored right at the end. So there's bad memories for me of Maidenhead. But my friend Henry is coming to his first ever Wrexham game next Tuesday. Um, so I'm hoping we don't ruin it for him. But like I said... It's Wrexham. I'm pessimistic. I'm always looking for a reason not to back us, almost. But we've got to be winning both games. We, we simply have to be doing that. And you know, we keep on saying how long the season is, and, and off home form is fantastic. And we just have to turn these into those routine wins again. And I, I I've got the confidence we will do because Wrexham at the Ars is just an experience at the moment. It is a real it is. Sort of that's a good word for it, and just brilliant. It is, but it reminds me of sort of. The renaissance of sort of Wales Away, it's always been good Wales Away, and you know, there's always been that sort of following there. But particularly you now after the success under, well, first of all, under Gary Speed and then under Chris Coleman, you know, it really became a sort of a movement, Wales Away and Wrexham home. You know, Wrexham is buzzing on the match day. You've got fantastic places to go, and you can go to the Fan Zone beforehand, you can go to the Fat Boy, you can go to the My Squin, you can go to Place You know, there's so many places in town now. Where you can just enjoy the matchday experience. Edwards in Wrexham shirts, you've got live music, great food, local beer. It's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. And I just don't ever want to miss a home game if, if I can help it. Yeah, I
2: mean, you've you've made me feel very upset there that I don't get to every single home game. Um but and I have to and then I have to pick up the dregs on the away games where we don't seem to turn up. And last season we were great on the road. got some great games, older shot and others. Um, and Wealdstone and things like that but yeah at the minute um i'm sure you're going to get lots and lots of goals it's just it just feels like we we don't do it the easy way you know what i mean in terms of we have to kind of make it difficult for ourselves easily that first game of the season we stumbled out of the blocks and then edit lee a bit of magic from him i don't know i think look Nave. going into these games saturday mate this is what i'll say what? it is the
0: Wrexham way though isn't it it is you it
2: know? is it is but what i was going to say is Quickly, then, before we predict, because I'm on a hot streak with predictions. Does Jordan Tonicliffe play again on Saturday, and does Elliot
0: Lee play again on
2: Saturday? Starting this is now.
0: Uh, Davis in for Lee for me, and Tonicliffe, I think play him again, just to see. I think he's got to get another game before we can sort of fairly judge him, in my opinion. But again, it comes to the point we made at the start of the podcast: what formation, what tactics does Parky go with? Like you said. I think he will go for the 3-5-2 because that's tried and tested and he loves it. But I'd love to see him go with the four at the back to begin with because I just feel it's inevitable we'll change to it no matter what the sort of outcome of the game is anyway. I just feel that we always try and indulge it. and we, Like I said, Alti will come and do what Halifax did. They'll be well organised at the back, look to frustrate us, waste a bit of time and try score a set piece. So if we know that's the tactic... What's the point of setting up defensive? We might as well just go for the jugular early on, try and break down that low block and, and get the race course rocking.
2: Okay, so I'm going to go Wrexham 4, Old 2 on Saturday and then I'm going to go... Um, what am I going to go? I'm going to go Wrexham 1, Maidenhead 1 on Ooh. Tuesday. I was and, thinking uh,
0: very similar sort of score scorelines. I think... It'll be a basketball match on Saturday, I think. It Wrexham five, Ultragum two. Okay. And I, th- and I think I was thinking for next Tuesday, Wrexham will win by a goal. It'll either be one nil or two one. I'm, I'm gonna say two one because I just I can't see clean sheets coming at the moment. So we'll wait and see. But whatever happens, we will be back next week to look back at those games, see how our predictions came in, and then. We'll be looking ahead to Oldham again in the FA Cup. Cannot wait for that one. It'll be live on ITV, of course. Tickets are on sale now, on general sale. Uh, Should still be a few left by the time this podcast goes out if you want to get your hands on them. Of course, they're only £12 for the FA Cup as well Nafe, it's been another bumper podcast there's been a lot to get through and even some football as well on the on the agenda uh, i mean i say thank you as if you're my guest it's a pleasure <laughs> doing the podcast with you and it's a pleasure bringing the podcast to you the listeners wherever you are naif i sure i echo what you say as well thank you so much for the support like we say tell a friend if you can they don't even have to be a friend just tell a stranger tell someone about the podcast. Please leave a like and a review if you
2: can as well. And as always, big thank you to Red 10 People Development. They make the podcast possible in supporting us. It doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, really, really grateful for that. And the music, the stings that you hear in between the little segments, the tangents, as Malicious Penguin called them, uh, they are from and based band Hypnotic. New music, hopefully, from coming soon for them. So again, Red 10 People Development and Hypnotic. And Rich, that's all we've got to say. Two more games seven is it seven in a row now seven in a row at home wins 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 they don't get any less fun
1: the talk fan network is proudly teaming up with three for mental health awareness week this year